0: Welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. In 1973, a gang of bank robbers held up the credit bank in Stockholm, Sweden. The police interrupted their heist, but the bank robbers proceeded to hold a number of bank employees hostage for six long days. Well, when at last they were rescued, these kidnapped victims who had been terrorized and abused by their captors stunned the authorities by demonstrating considerable emotional attachment to their victimizers. Some of the victims even publicly defended the very ones who had held them at gunpoint and threatened their lives. You know what we call this phenomenon? You may not know that it was a Swedish psychiatrist, criminologist by the name of Nils Bergerot, who dubbed this bizarre behavior Stockholm Syndrome. And since 1973, this strange, sympathetic behavior a hostage showing loyalty and concern for the hostage taker has been repeated and recognized both by such infamous names as Patty Hearst. I don't know, if you're under 50, you may not know who I'm talking about. And even by tens of thousands of other unnamed, unknown, domestic, spousal, and child abuse victims the captives get their own identity so wrapped up in that of their captors that no matter how bad their reality, it seems better to them than facing the fear of an unknown, undefined future. I want to make the case today that one of the dominant sicknesses facing our world is Stockholm Syndrome. There are many of us who are suffering from a kind of cultural Stockholm Syndrome, blindly defending and claiming as good for ourselves the very things that keep us captive. Or to put it more philosophically, we embrace the powers to which we are so eager, willingly enslaved. Today, the most abusive captors of our hearts and souls are consumerism and materialism. We're forced to work longer and longer hours, get deeper and deeper in debt, take more and more time away from our families. We make the shopping mall food court our family dining room, all in order to enable us to do what? consume more material goods. We're slaves to wanting more things. We're slaves to wanting more stuff. We're slaves to wanting more toys. We're slaves to more goodies, more clutter, more junk. We wrap more and more chains around our lives, chains that drain our time, drain our attention, our money, our love. Our Stockholm Syndrome is in part a stock-up sickness, convincing us to stock up with yet another pair of designer shoes or stock up with a newer version of a video game or stock up with the latest cell phone or, or stock up with that latest experience. Our Stockholm Syndrome deludes us into thinking Once we get stocked up enough, we'll finally enjoy the happiness, the fulfillment, and the meaning we all seek. But I'm going to tell you, the captivity of consumerism never satisfies. Continually looking forward to the next best thing, expecting that next new purchase, that soon-to-be-released gadget to bring the answers to life's meaning and purpose, well, that only plunges us into a new round of floundering despair, not to mention debt, when the next best thing just fails to fulfill. You See, the word contentment, it's not only a rich word, but it's a biblical word. In fact, the Bible has quite a bit to say about this matter of being content. In 1 Timothy, chapter 6, beginning at verse 6, we read the following. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. If we have food and clothing, we shall be content with these things. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and the snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all evil. While coveting after money, some have strayed from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Uh, Hebrews 13 says, in verse 5, Let your lives be without love of money, and be content with the things you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You see, the Bible then not only identifies contentment as a virtue, but it speaks of contentment as a command. We are to be content with whatever we have. We're to be content with food and clothing. We're to be content with our wages. We're to be content... Because we understand that an utterly, totally, and infinitely, supernaturally resourceful God will never leave us or forsake us. I, let me be honest with you. I, I, I think most people don't experience it. I think most Christians don't experience not to the degree that God desires us to, We tend to be, well, let's be honest, very discontent people. I have this sort of personal theory that the more we have, the more discontent we become. If that's true, then this must be one of the most discontent societies in the history of the human race. We are called to contentment. We are called to be satisfied. We're called to say, I have enough. But most don't experience that. Paul did. Paul was a satisfied man. He was a contented man. He was so satisfied with very little that It didn't matter that he was a prisoner in the sense that it took his contentment. It didn't. It didn't matter to him that he's there chained to a Roman soldier, that he stayed in a place that was greatly lacking in any comfort. That really didn't touch his contentment. He was satisfied with little. Our attitude today is that our needs can never be met. It's a consuming passion. We never get our needs met. The attitude of people today is anything but satisfaction with little. The reason Paul was content was because that he knew that the times, the seasons, and the opportunities of life We're controlled by a sovereign God. And until we learn that, we'll never be content. Until you come to the place in your life where you understand that God is sovereign and He is ordering everything for His own holy purposes and is working all things after the counsel of His own will and is making all things work together for good until we understand that, we will always be discontent because we will always take on the responsibility to organize and to order our own life. And We will frustrate ourselves if we can't just control everything. You see, this is what brings contentment. When you have learned not to depend upon your own resources, but when you've been to the desert, when you've been to the valley, when you've been to the extremity, when you've stood in the valley of the shadow of death, you've been on the brink. When You can't resolve your own problems. You can't eliminate the conflict. You can't solve the marriage. You can't do anything about the kids. You can't change the environment at work that you're involved in. You have no way that you can deal with the diseases that are racking your body, and you come to the point when you're out of resources, you turn to God, and you find the strength that is there to go through this situation. And in that lies your experience of contentment. There's a a less well-known behavioral syndrome that has been dubbed the Stockdale Paradox. Admiral Jim Stockdale was a prisoner of war at the infamous Hanoi Hilton during the Vietnam War. He remained a prisoner there from 1965 to 1973, eight endless years. He was the highest-ranking U.S. military officer imprisoned during the Vietnam War. Those that follow U.S. politics, he is probably better known as the running mate for H. Ross Perot in the 1992 presidential election. Well, during his imprisonment, He was repeatedly beaten and tortured, but he refused to be broken by his captors. He devised mental exercises to keep his mind resilient. He created ingenious tapping codes that would allow all of the American prisoners held captive with him to secretly communicate with each other. The paradox Stockdale is famous for is his unflinching attitude of utter faith and absolute realism. When he was asked how he managed to continue day after day, for eight years, Stockdale explained, I never lost faith in the end of the story. I never doubted not only that I would get out, but also that I would prevail in the end and turn the experience into the defining event of my life, which in retrospect, I would not trade. When asked by reporters if he could describe those who failed to survive under the same torture and mind-breaking abuse, Stockdale's reply was quick Oh, that's easy, he said. The optimists. They were the ones who said, we're going to be out by Christmas. And Christmas would come, and Christmas would go. Then they'd say, we're going to be out by Easter. And Easter would come, and Easter would go. And then Thanksgiving. And then it would be Christmas again and they died of a broken heart. What was his key to survival? Stockdale said it with one word, faith. Faith is not optimism, it's not foolish naivete. Faith is not pretending bad times or genuine suffering are not real. Faith does not insist that everything's coming up roses or that stinking circumstances smell like strawberry shortcake. The Stockdale realists faced the facts. We're not getting out by Christmas. Deal with it. But they faced the facts with faith. Faith in the ultimate end of the story, which enabled them to survive in some of the world's circumstances, the worst circumstances that our minds can imagine. In Romans chapter 8, Paul is speaking to Christians who, who have experienced real suffering, Christians persecuted by a power no less than Rome, the greatest empire ever seen. And Paul is giving the message that our own Stockholm culture today needs to hear. Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed to us. The eager expectation of the creation waits for the appearance of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but by the will of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan within ourselves while eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies, for we are saved through hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does a man still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for our words. He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You see, the apostle did not sugarcoat nor rose-tint their sufferings. Instead, in Romans 8.35, He carefully, precisely enumerated them. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? You see, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, the sword. Paul did not make light of evil. Paul did not say, well, let's not talk about these things. Let's find our peaceful, harmonic space. No. Rather, Paul said, these things are real. Pain, suffering, rejection, abuse, neglect, death, they're all coming at us. They may even be with us throughout our entire lives. But these things are not the end of the story. Not even death is the end of our story. You see, we can deal with it because we've got help. The 124th Psalm, verse 8. Our help comes from the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. You see, none of these things can ultimately prevail against us because our helper has already overcome the worst that can happen to us. Paul boldly itemizes all those powers that are doomed to failure when they rise up against us. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. Look at what it says. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, neither angels nor principalities nor powers, neither things present nor things to come, neither height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. The apostle puts it simply in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things if God is for us, who can be against us? You see, Paul's good news here is more than just a, you know, hang in there, attaboy, pep talk. For those who genuinely seek to live in Christ, the finish line is not the only important part of their story. You see, God is not sitting at the end of the race waiting to catch us when we collapse, torn, and and tattered across the finish line. The diamond heart center to Paul's faithfulness is not that God's plan will prevail at some eschatological end, but that God's presence and power are with us every step of the way to help us deal with it, to help us get over it, to give us all the help we need to be more than conquerors. Divine concern and compassion are not being saved for some climactic conclusion. God's presence and God's power are unfolding revealing, expanding, embracing us in everything we do, in all that we experience. Do you know, as Paul knew, that God works all things for the good? Notice that not all things are good, but God works all things for the good of those who love God and those who are called according to God's purposes. And nothing, nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Let's pray. Gracious God, loving Heavenly Father, thank you for the countless blessings you just, in love, just pour out over each and every one of us. Father, I pray for those that may be going through a trying situation now. May they place their faith in you and you alone. Bless each and every viewer today and always. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've come to that time in the program where we have our special offer for you, our viewers. And today's special offer is a uh, special edition of the Signs of the Times magazine entitled The Benefits of Belief. It has a number of articles, including a a major article on The Secret of Living Well. Uh, We'd like you to have this Signs of the Times Magazine as a gift from Lessons for Living Television. No obligation on your part whatsoever. This magazine will arrive at your home, postage paid. It's yours. It's a gift from us. If you'd like to request it, we'll pay special attention to the information we're about to provide.
1: To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living Television website www.elforltv.com. That's the lessons for living television website www.alforltv.com. You can also write us at post office box 27030, Simcoe Conland post office, Oshawa Ontario, L1g083 and we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlin Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you can order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. OPERATORS ARE STANDING BY NOW. WHILE ON OUR WEBSITE, YOU CAN LEAVE A PRAYER REQUEST, AND IF IMPRESSED TO DO SO, DONATE TO HELP KEEP THIS MINISTRY ON THE AIR. THANK YOU FOR YOUR SUPPORT.
0: WELL, WE'VE COME TO THE END OF ANOTHER LESSONS FOR LIVING TELEVISION PROGRAM. Uh, LET ME TAKE THIS OPPORTUNITY TO THANK YOU FOR TUNING IN EACH AND EVERY WEEK. I would encourage you to help us in getting the word out and just sharing our program with your friends and family. One of the great ways to do that is by sharing with them our website. You know, you may have a friend or family member who is in uh, a region where our program does not air. Uh, They can go to our website, l4ltv.com, All our programs are listed there and they are available for viewing on demand on the website L4LTV.com. Also on the website, you have live appearances where I will be appearing live if you're ever interested in coming out to see me. And there's a Donate Today tab where you can send a donation. We'll send you a tax-deductible receipt for income tax purposes as you invest in this ministry to allow us to stay on the air and to continue to share the good news of the gospel with literally thousands of Canadians each and every week. I have an Instagram uh, account every day. I put a one minute devotional on Instagram. You can follow me if you'd like to receive that at Santos underscore Bill. Remember our YouTube channel All of the programs are there. Our Facebook page, Lessons for Living Television Facebook page. And what a great way of sharing the program. With just one click of a button, you can share that with all your friends on Facebook. And remember our missionnowcanada.com website, which deals with and showcases the overseas humanitarian component of our ministry. Well, let me thank you again for joining us. We are all out of time. I look forward to the opportunity to be back with you again real soon. Remember, God loves you. God bless you. We'll see you again real soon.